It's Tuesday, January 10th, and this is Goodwill Talk Daily. Welcome back, everybody, to Goodwill Talk Daily. Great to be with you again today in our study in the book of Isaiah. Um, it's funny because I promised everybody that we would move through Isaiah faster than we moved through Second Timothy. Because in Second Timothy last year, we really went like phrase by phrase. And I said, don't worry, we're going to move faster through the book of Isaiah. And we will. But it's funny because we've spent uh, two weeks. We're going to have spent two weeks in one verse. Uh, but that's okay. It provides some background information for us and what the book of Isaiah is all about. We're in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, but really, we're looking at the life of this fourth king, King Hezekiah and all that he did in Judah during the life of Isaiah. So let's look at King Hezekiah's life. Um, Isaiah 1 verse 1 says this, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So let's look at this Hezekiah, king of Judah. We started yesterday um, with some cleansing work that he did. If you missed yesterday, you can go back and listen. It's there on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just jump in with us. Um, these are devotionals. They're going to help you out every day. There's something to take away today. So if you don't have a ton of time to go back, you, you can't keep up with us. Listen, even if you miss some of these episodes... You can dive right in where we are that day and still walk away having communed with God through his word. So don't feel like you're getting lost. You're not. Just follow us. You're going to get something today to encourage you as a disciple of Jesus. Hezekiah chapter 20. I'm sorry. Wow. I said Hezekiah. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 20. This is about the life of Hezekiah. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priests took the blood and splashed it against the altar. Next, they slaughtered the rams and splashed their blood against the altar. Then they slaughtered the lambs and splashed their blood against the altar. The goats for the sin offering were brought before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priests then slaughtered the goats and presented their blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all Israel, because the king had ordered the burnt offering and the sin offering for all Israel. He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan, the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. So the Levites stood ready with David's instruments and the priests with their trumpets. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. And when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshiped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshiped. Then Hezekiah said, you have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. 
The number of burnt offerings the assembly brought was 70 bulls and 100 rams and 200 male lambs, all of them for burnt offerings to the Lord. The animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats. The priests, however, were, for few, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings, so their relatives and Levites helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated, for the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had been. There were burnt offerings in abundance, together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the sacrifice of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Wow, lots of blood and killing of animals and sacrificing. And there's a lot going on there. But, but here's the important takeaway. When Hezekiah consecrated the temple, he cleansed it. He made it usable for worship again. But then he sacrificed to the Lord sin offerings and burnt offerings, and he brought the entire nation of Israel into worship. You see, the, the purpose of the nation of Israel was the same purpose that the church has, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We are here to worship. That's the whole purpose of humanity, to worship our God. And, and he, he chose a nation to lead, to be the tip of the spear in creational worship. The nation of Israel was to lead the world in worship in the same way that the church, we, we function as the soul of the world. We lead the world in worship of God. If we're not worshiping God rightly, how in the world can we expect everybody else to worship God rightly? And so there was sin offering that was offered because of our sin and imperfection we need. We need the sacrifice of another to bring us into the presence of God that we might worship him rightly. In the Old Testament, that was rams and bulls and lambs, and, and, and that was how worship was allowed. It was through the blood of a lamb. Now we are allowed to worship because of the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. He died for us, putting an end to the sacrificial system. But because of that, because we have his blood on us, just like the blood of these animals was thrown on the altar, we have the blood of Christ covering us, we enter in to the very presence of God to offer him worship. You see, worship is the primary reason we are here as Christians. Have you ever thought, why doesn't God just bring us right to heaven after he saves us? Why leave us here in a sin-soaked world? It's that we might worship him in the midst of all of this brokenness and sin. Our primary job as Christians is to worship. And we do so together. Notice the king and the entire congregation, everybody who was there was brought into the worship place of God. All of God's people are called into his presence to worship him. And so while we have our daily worship and our rhythms of being in the word and praying and maybe even singing songs, it's the corporate worship of the people every weekend that really bring the, the eyes of the world upwards towards Christ. We get to lead the world towards Jesus, and they may mock us, they may hate us, they may think that it's silly and stupid, but they can't ignore us because en masse, the people of God around the world gather in worship. We sing praises to him. This is our very purpose as Christians. And then we are commissioned to go out and bring others into this assembly that they might join us in that worship. That's what making disciples is all about. 
It's not about selling some sort of hell insurance. No, it's about creating worshipers. We want people to join us, to be saved of their sins, that they might join us in worship, an eternal worship. All of this is a foretaste. What happened in Hezekiah's day, what happens in our day, is a foretaste of that great worship in heaven, where we are before the King of kings and Lord of lords, face to face, worshiping him forever. That's what we're calling people to. It is a life of worship. And so what, what I encourage you to do today, confess your sins to the Lord Follow up on what you did yesterday and ask the Lord to point out what are those things that need to be pulled out of your life that you might worship him rightly. Again, confess your sin today, but then enter into worship. Worship him today. Meditate on who he is. Sing in the, in the privacy of your car, maybe in the privacy of your home. Sing to the Lord a new song of praise and gladness. Worship him. And, and allow that daily worship to prepare you for our weekend worship where we gather on Sunday, some of us on Saturday night, most of us on Sunday, to lift up the praises of God together. We follow in this great tradition that Hezekiah reinstated in the nation of Israel. We worship God in spirit and truth together, all because of what we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, create in us a love for worship. Would we hunger and thirst to gather with the saints to worship you? Would that be the highlight of our week? Help us, Lord, to worship you well. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins that allows us to enter in, no longer through the blood of goats and bulls and lambs, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Thank you. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with me today. I'll see you again tomorrow right back here at Goodwill Talk Daily.